This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Hallelujah. He is so good. I love it when His presence, you can feel it, you know. I think we all live for that, don't we? <laughs> okay. Let's get in the Word a little bit here. I'll give you what the Lord gave me, what I've been thinking about the past few days, and I've even got a chance to put it into practice. You know, when you start, you see something in the Word, and you start saying, I'm going to do that, or whatever, be ready. <laughs> He's going to see if you really mean it. So, the topic or the title of this today is Why Not Us? That's the topic. Um, I don't know, I may just be teaching to me and Jack today. Hopefully, y'all get something from it too, but why not us? Okay, Jack and I, you know, we, we get around a lot. You know, we, we're out there, music business and just friends and everything so we're out and about quite a bit and more than once we've come across people with a severe disability you know and um and, and when we're with friends and they they're telling us about their illness you know we always ask we can pray for them and stuff but I'm talking about people you don't really know out here and a severe disability that's very evident you know that kind of seems in our minds monumental for them to get a miracle healing you know and we've said many times to each other wouldn't you love to just walk up to them and say be healed in the name of Jesus rise up and walk and see it happen and we're like yeah you know we would love to do that but why haven't we why not us so um I want to read I'm not going to bombard you with scriptures today we're going to just basically look at this one passage but let's read about the crippled guy at the gate called beautiful that's in acts 3 peter and john went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service as they approached the temple a man lame from birth was being carried in each day he was put beside the temple gate the one called the beautiful gate. Let me just interject right here. Just having been in Israel, I found out, I saw the beautiful gate. I found out that it is also the mercy gate or the gate of mercy. I guess that's why they called it beautiful. It's also the eastern gate, which is closed and will remain closed until the Lord comes back. And that door's going to blow open one of these days. And guess what? Never knew this. It is right across from the Mount of Olives where he went up and where he's going to come back down. You can actually just walk down the Mount of Olives right to the beautiful gate. It's going to be convenient when he comes back. <laughs> That's just an interjection. It was a, it's just a personal blessing that we got to go to Israel. Anyway, the beautiful gate. 
They put him there every day so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Money. He needed money. And he couldn't work because he was crippled. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift, money. But Peter said, I'm going to read it like this, but I like the King James translation. I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. I like it when it says, silver and gold have I none, but whatever, such as I have, I give to you. I like that translation. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out to Solomon's porch or colonnade where he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. He was a preacher. People of Israel, he said, what is so astounding about this? And why look at us as though we made this man walk by our own power and godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. I'll just finish it out. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life but God raised him to life and we are witnesses of this fact. Again another translation there says that Peter said you know why are you looking at us? We didn't do anything. It is the name of Jesus and faith in his name that has made this man whole. That's in another translation which I also prefer right there. So this is what I want to look at today because, you know, why not us? Why can't that be us? And I want to examine some things here. Um, the seed of this actually, Jack gave me the idea for this earlier in the week, but let's look at the man, the cripple man for a minute. Okay. He wasn't looking for a miracle or a healing. He didn't know he was going to get healed that morning when he woke up. He was just doing what he always does, having somebody take him to the gate so he could get some money for food that day or whatever. Um, he was not, I don't believe that he was a believer in Jesus Christ before that day. <laughs> he became one. But there's no evidence that, in fact, he was probably Jewish, you know, um, I think if he had been a believer, he would have already gotten healed before that. But anyway, the word isn't clear, but I just, I can't see how he was really a believer. Or he would have known who Peter and John were. You know, he was like, oh, y'all going to heal me today? You know, he, and, and we meet people like this, y'all. The, the world is full of people out here. He had settled into his condition. He just accepted it, let it come sit on the couch and make itself at home. He had settled into this 
way of life of being a cripple and being a beggar. His way of, well, this is how I'm going to get my money. Um, and he, I, I don't think he had much, if any, really faith at that point. You know, I, it says Peter and John looked intently at him. He, he was looking down. He just you know, stuck his hand out like that. Because Peter had to say, look at me. Look in my eyes. And I think when that happened, maybe some, there was a transference. I mean, have y'all ever seen people, um, we've seen preachers and men of God and other people before that their eyes are just like, they're so bright and they just, they're just burning with the Lord. Yeah. Well, I think Peter had those kind of eyes. Yeah, eagle eyes. That's what we call it. Anyway, Peter said, look at me, you know. And then it says Peter looked at him. They looked at him intently as well. Maybe examining if they saw an itty-bitty bit of faith or ability within that man to get healed. So there wasn't a lot of faith either because um, Peter had, says he helped him up. The man didn't, when he said get up and walk, he didn't jump up. It says Peter helped him, you know, so that was a struggle there at first, you know. Then all of a sudden the power hit and the and the dude went, whoa, you know, <laughs> and jumped up. So um, the point of me saying that is um, it was Peter and John, not the man, who brought faith to the situation, who brought the power of the Holy Ghost to the situation, who put a demand on the Spirit, a demand of faith on the Spirit of God. It wasn't the man, you know. And a lot of times we think, well, that person doesn't maybe have enough faith or they don't believe in Jesus or whatever to get healed. But here is, and, that, and a lot of times that is required. But in this particular instance, that guy had no faith. He didn't know nothing. He wasn't expecting nothing. So it's Peter and John that brought faith and healing and the power of God to the situation. So after looking at this story, and like there was a little boy in a wheelchair, Tyler. I forget what had happened to him. He was born that way, maybe deprived of oxygen when he was born. And he was in a wheelchair and... His dad used to bring him out to hear Jack play all the time. He, he loved to hear Jack play. And he couldn't really talk or anything. Yeah, Jack would always give him special attention and everything. But, you know, what prevented me and Jack, I, I wonder, from just walking up and saying, get up and walk in the name of Jesus? Um, so I think we all battle with these things. I do. If y'all don't, then hey, you're better than me. But, <laughs> okay, fear. Okay, that's one thing that holds us back. Um, we're afraid, you know, and doubt. What if it doesn't work? What if I get embarrassed? What if everybody starts looking at me? What if this person doesn't have the ability to, to have the faith to be healed? What if they think I'm nuts? You know, now I have to say, going back to this story here, if that's in our thinking, 
then I think we that means we're looking for some kind of glory or thanks or praise or something if we're worried about being embarrassed, you know. And that means that we're sort of, in a way, thinking it's up to us. It's our own ability. Peter did the right thing when he told those people, don't look at us. We didn't do anything. It was all Jesus. He did it. He's the one. It's his power that heals. So that's just probably an ego thing or something that we need to examine if we're kind of thinking that way or feeling that way. I think another thing, why not us, is I think we're too busy. We walk on by. We're not maybe consciously looking for an opportunity to minister, and we'll just walk by somebody. Or maybe we see, oh, yeah, I'd like to pray, but I'm busy. i got to get somewhere. Peter and John were getting somewhere, too. They were headed into the prayer meeting. Okay? But they stopped. So I want to examine now Peter and why Peter was involved in this and why it worked out like it did other than, you know, the Lord and his power. But I want to point out that I believe that this incident happened, I mean, it's Acts 3, so I think it happened pretty soon after the day of Pentecost when they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was still probably basking in that, you know. Um, he had a fresh feeling, you know, of the Holy Ghost. And another reason I believe that too is because he he was a Galilean. He was from Galilee. That's about, what, a 20 or 25-minute drive from Jerusalem. Um, and But that was his home. That's where his people lived and everything. That's where... He was a fisherman, was on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus called him to be a disciple. And, but he was still in Jerusalem, and we learned in Israel, too, that Pentecost is one of the Jewish feasts where everybody went to Jerusalem. From all over Israel, they gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate that feast. So I think it was pretty soon after the day of Pentecost, that this incident occurred. So he was freshly filled with the Holy Ghost. If we back up to Acts 2, let me read this to you. Um, those who, this was talking about the believers gathering together. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. That was on the day of Pentecost. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. Now, some translations say the breaking of bread, but that's why I brought this one today, because it says the Lord's Supper. Meaning every time they got together, they prayed, they worshipped, they had some teaching. And they did the Lord's Supper. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. 
and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. So right after that is when we read about this story. So I think another reason that put Peter in a position to bring this healing to this man is that he had been hanging out with other believers. You know, when we do that, even today, we encourage each other. We share our faith like we were saying a while ago. We're just swapping stories about the Lord, saying we could stand here and talk about the Lord all day. Yes, we could. Because <laughs> we love it, right? Sharing what he's done for us. We, um, they took communion every time they were together. They prayed. They worshiped the Lord every day. This, so this was the climate that Peter was living in at the time. Would that we could live in that kind of a climate, you know, not have to work and all that, you know, day-to-day -day stuff, you know, wouldn't that be great? That's where really coming to together just once a week on Sunday is insufficient, really. That's why we have the community group, cell group, small group, whatever you want to call it, and other groups, uh, is so that, you know, midweek we can get together and keep each other pumped up, you know, so to speak. I wanted to pump you up. Anyway, that's the climate he was in. And, and let me just flip over to um, Acts 5 again. Why not us when I read this? Okay, this is Acts 5.15. Let me see. Uh, I'll just start in verse 12. Meanwhile, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And the believers, here it is again, were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Porch. No one else dared to join them, though everyone had high regard for them. And more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came in from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. And here it is. They were all healed. So that means, I mean, wouldn't you love to be in such a position with the Lord that when you walk by and your shadow falls on a sick person, they get healed? Wouldn't you love that? Why not us? These are some of the reasons, maybe, and things we need to think about for our lives. Um, also, when they came together, they witnessed miracles. So, you know, he already had the faith to know that miracles were going to happen. Okay, when now, I believe Peter and John knew this beggar because it said he was there every day. So this wasn't the first time they came into the temple through the gate called Beautiful. So they knew he was sitting there. So on this particular day, what caused Peter to stop and get the man he healed? You know, maybe he was moved with compassion. You know, Jack and I have many times, we have been moved with compassion for that. But we haven't really acted on it. That's changing though. Was he, okay, 
Well, I'm talking about this miraculous thing. I'm not talking about, yeah, we pray for people. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. I misspoke. Yes, we do do that. I guess I'm thinking about Tyler. I can't, I can't get Tyler off of my mind. And, and we did pray for him, but I, I would have loved to have seen a miracle with him. Maybe we'll get another chance. Okay. So anyway, also, oh, maybe this is what was missing with the Tyler situation. And this is what I'm saying. I'm getting ready to say is maybe Peter on that particular day was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And he acted on it. Maybe that's the first time the Holy Spirit ever said, pray for that guy and get him healed. Because that was his time. I mean, you know, there's, there was a reason maybe. Maybe because the synagogue was, or the temple was full of people that day. And because, you know, when that guy got healed, it changed his life. But it changed a bunch of other people's lives. His family, all those people that saw it, uh, it, it opened up the door for Peter to point to the Lord and give the glory to the Lord. And there were new believers as a result. So when these miracles and these healings and things take place, um, it affects other people. Everybody that's witnessing it, you know. So maybe this was the time that God designated for that guy to get healed. I believe that was you know what happened. The Bible doesn't say. That's why some of these are maybes. Because the Bible doesn't say. But if you think about it. It probably had to be there. Um, here's another thing. Peter was bold. He had no fear. There wasn't no fear. There wasn't any doubt either. Peter. <laughs> if you think about it. Never had a problem with being bold. Really. And so then once he got filled with the Holy Spirit, look out, world. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was the one that uh, stepped out of the boat. There were other disciples. Who's the one that stepped on the, out of the boat and started walking? Peter. Peter was there. when He saw his mother-in-law healed like that. She had a fever. It says she had a bad fever. And Jesus just came in and said, be healed. You know, she got up. She fixed them all something to eat. <laughs> Peter was there. It was his mother-in-law. Peter is the one in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane who took out his sword and cut the soldier's ear off. Jesus said, no, don't do that, Peter. And he reached up and healed the guy's ear. I've wondered about that soldier before. Did he ever come to the Lord? I bet he did later on. Um. He, Peter, who's the one when there was all the commotion on the day of Pentecost and all the noise, the rushing wind, and they were all speaking in tongues and it spilled out into the street and everything, and people started laughing at him. They're drunk. What's wrong with those people? Who stepped out there and preached the first sermon? Peter. <laughs> he was bold. But then once he got filled with the Spirit, he took on... A, a holy boldness. He became even bolder. I think because he kind of, I don't know, well, he got filled with the Spirit. That's about all I'll say to that, you know. But he was bold, and we have to be bold. Um, 
you know, Jack and I, I think we consider ourselves pretty bold, but we, we have to be bold. I'll just tell you a story. Uh, the other evening, when I was already thinking about this, I had the title, you know, what about us? What about us? Why can't that be us, you know? And so, here comes the Lord to see if I really believed what I'm, gonna, what I'm telling y'all today. Um, we were in a restaurant, and there are these two girls sitting beside us. And um, just we were, it was just daily life. We go to this one restaurant about once a week. The chef's our personal friend, and we go there. And um, we didn't know these girls. We had chit-chatted a little bit because uh, one of them got this delicious-looking dish, and we're like, what is that? You know, we don't want to be rude, but what is that? That looks great. So anyway, they were, had, I think they had paid their tab. They were kind of getting ready to go over there in the process of paying their tab, and this girl started choking. She, something went down the, her windpipe or went down the wrong way. And she started choking, and I mean, real bad. And, you know, you see that happen, but generally after a few seconds or whatever, people recover themselves, you know. She could not recover. I mean, she couldn't get her breath. She was really struggling. So it seemed longer than it was. It was probably, what, 30 seconds or 60 seconds. But anyway, all of a sudden, guess what came into my head? What about us? <laughs> so I just, I got up. I went behind her. I laid my hands on her. And I just said, peace in the name of Jesus, peace to your body. And I was saying it low. I don't think the friend heard me. I know Jack didn't because he asked me later, what did you pray, you know? And so I was just kind of praying kind of low, you know, busy restaurant, people all around. A lot of the people know us, you know, but I just was obedient to the Lord. So I'm praying and I just, it was kind of simple just peace, peace to your body right now in the name of Jesus. And I prayed in the Spirit just a little bit, and I said, body, straighten up right now in the name of Jesus. Well, I didn't see this, but I just went, all of a sudden, I, I noticed that she stopped coughing and choking. So I go back around, I sit in my seat, and her friend said, did you see what happened when you prayed for her? I said, what? She said, her body straightened up. Now, when I prayed that, my thinking was I was commanding her body to straighten up and quit acting ugly or straighten out, you know, is what I thought I meant. But I don't know, maybe there was something, maybe because she was bent over, I don't know, but there was a physical manifestation of her straightening up and then and she stopped choking. I was like, wow, okay, you know. And the girl, yeah, the her friend... The other girl didn't say a lot. I think she might have said thank you, but I think she was really embarrassed. And we kept saying, don't be embarrassed. You know, it happens. But her friend said, when they got ready to leave, she said, thank you for doing that. Thank you. And I said, well, you're welcome. I said, I just had to get to praying. And she said, we're with you. We, we're, we pray too. It was her way of saying we're believers, you know. So um, anyway, that was just kind of a neat, kind of a neat thing, you know. Um. No doubt, Peter had no doubt, absolutely no doubt. He was persuaded, fully persuaded, that when he prayed for that man and said, get up and walk, that that man was going to get up and walk in the name of Jesus. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have the what ifs, which a lot of us have. What if it doesn't happen? 
What if it doesn't work? Has that ever happened to y'all? You want to pray for somebody and then you're like, eh, what if it doesn't work, you know? That wasn't in Peter's thinking. Uh, he had complete faith in the name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus. He said it later. He knew who he was in Christ. He knew his authority in Christ. He remembered Jesus' last words, which is in Mark 16. I know y'all know it, but we're going to read it anyway. 16, 15 through 18. Because, you know, Peter took these words to heart. Um, let's see. He was with the 11 disciples. He rebuked them for their unbelief and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after, after he had risen. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany or will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages or other tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and heal them. Or they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover, is another translation. So Peter said, oh, okay. So that was in his thinking when he met the crippled guy at the gate called Beautiful. And he took that mission seriously. He took that authority seriously. He kept those words in his mind and in his heart. Oh, Jesus authorized me to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. No, they might recover. No, they will recover. If we do that in his name. So, again, you know, what about us? Be, be, there's no reason at all why it can't be us. There's no reason at all why we can't walk up to somebody in a wheelchair and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, we should probably follow the steps Peter did, make them look us in the eye, sort of, you know. Make sure we're hearing from the Spirit before we do it, I believe. But other than that, there's no reason at all. And to counteract that being too busy and just going about our daily lives sort of, you know, as routine, a matter of routine. You know, Jesus said to watch and pray. Be watching. Be looking for those opportunities. Be watching for an opportunity to not only bless someone in the name of the Lord so that their life will change, but also to be able to give glory to God and to be able to say, Jesus did it. I'm nothing. It's all him. He did it. I just did it in his name because I know the power of his name and I believe in him. And then hopefully from that, you know, I would dare say if any unbeliever, you know, gets healed, that's the calling card. I think Kenneth Hagin used to say that, didn't he? Healing is the calling card. Dinner bell. Okay, dinner bell. Okay. Dinner bell, calling card. You know, if like the guy, the soldier that had his ear cut off in the garden, I mean, 
and Jesus healed it. If that guy didn't go back later <laughs> and find out about Jesus and become a believer, then I, I would be shocked, first of all, but I would say what a fool he was, you know. Most of the time people get healed in the name of Jesus, a lot of times they'll get saved. They should get saved every single time. So it opens the door to be able to preach the gospel. So I, I love that we come here and invite others to come here and be healed. But I'm saying too, let's take it to the streets every day, everywhere we go. Be prepared. Stay ready to minister healing to somebody in the name of the Lord. We're authorized. It's our mission. Let's do it. And, and let me say this, too. This is interesting, being out there in the, the nightclubs and the bars. Um, there's a, a downer, like, uh, of people. You know, the people are like, uh. Whenever he does say something about the Lord in those situations, or sometimes he'll throw a Christian song out there while the band is playing. And let me tell you something. You know what you, you see? All of a sudden, there's a lift in the atmosphere. All of a sudden, these people, they're looking down and they're crying in their beer, so to speak. All of a sudden, they look up. And they're like, oh, you know, and there's, a, there's just something that, that the atmosphere changes, you know. And it's kind of neat to see that, you know, because a lot of lost people and sad people out here, a lot of people in the bars. I think you just said that, but I was back there passing out the elements that... They've been hurt by the church, Christians. Maybe they gave their li their, themselves or their lives to the Lord when they were younger. And then, you know, life grabbed them and sunk them, you know. And they haven't recovered yet. So that, that was another thing I, I left out while I go about what happens to us sometimes while we don't step out there like Peter did. I think sometimes our own stinking thinking is we feel like we're not worthy we're not good enough, we hadn't prayed enough, I kicked the dog this morning, you know. Uh, said something ugly to some driver that tried to run me off the road, whatever. <laughs> I think that holds us back sometimes too, you know. I was going to say, uh, I remember the day that Rome McMinn, who's a big old boy, bass player, man, <laughs> he just couldn't resist any longer. He takes his bass off because we were playing the Music that you play behind, you know, when the altar call's being given and everything. All of a sudden, he takes that bass off, puts it down, goes down front and cried like a baby. That big old boy. Awesome. Okay, we're going to do communion. Um, check out, if you haven't, Joseph Prince's teaching and things. You can pull them up on YouTube about communion. Um We've start, we do it at home every morning, and it's really, it's powerful, and there are lots of testimonies uh, that Joseph Prince put some of them out there where people started taking communion and, while believing for their healing, you know, they're believing for healing, but they started taking communion, and soon thereafter, they're completely healed of whatever it was. I mean, dementia, arthritis, all kinds of things, you know. So I believe, and it said that the believers, the early day, took communion every time they came together. What we're doing, I mean, there's no magic or power 
in this little thing or this little cup of juice. But the power is we are remembering the body of Jesus that he gave so that we could be healed and walk in health. You know, over in Corinthians, I think it says is people, believers, were dying early because they were not discerning and remembering the body of Christ. So that redemptive work at the cross was twofold. It was to heal us and to redeem us, to buy us back from the devil, to cleanse us and make us righteous in God's eyes so that we could have uh, a relationship with the holy living God that sits on the throne in heaven. So we're going to do that. Sure, dear, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I think the act is holy. The act of taking communion is holy. And, you know, this is the thing. Every injury to Jesus' body also produced blood. So that blood cleanses us from sin, yes, but also was for our healing as well. I don't know if y'all have ever read, I think it's in Isaiah. But did y'all know that they plucked out his beard? They plucked out his beard, just reaching up, pulling whiskers out. That hurt. <laughs> and blood was produced. The first blood he shed was where? The Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he sweated drops of blood? So there's blood all the way through. They beat him. They tortured him. They plucked out his beard. They placed the crown of thorns. He shed a lot of blood. I mean, it's amazing he was able to make it to the cross, really, because he had shed a lot of blood before he ever got to the cross. <laughs> so, anyway, let's, do, let's remember the Lord and remember his body and his blood. So, Lord, right now, we hold up this wafer, Lord, that represents your body, and we say thank you, thank you, thank you for giving your body over to be tortured and turned into mincemeat so that we could be healed and we could walk free from sickness and disease thank you lord and that we could maintain health lord we don't take it lightly and we remember it and we keep it at the forefront of our thinking that precious body that you gave for us in jesus name let's take let's eat the bread And Lord, this juice in here represents your blood. That holy blood, really, Lord, that was supernatural. Because it didn't come from a man. <laughs> it came from the God in heaven. It was supernatural, royal, powerful blood. And we thank you for every single drop that you shed for us, starting in the Garden of Gethsemane, all the way to the cross, Lord, you let that blood just pour out of yourself. Wow. <laughs> the devil sure didn't realize what was going on or he would have stopped it. So we thank you for shedding that blood. That blood that washes us clean. Washes away all of our sins, Lord. And we repent of our sins. The things we've done wrong, Lord. Since the last time we asked you for forgiveness. We 
repent and we say that we're sorry. And we forgive others who have wronged us, Lord, just like you're forgiving us. And we say, by your blood, wash all defilement away from us this day. The dirtiness and the commonness and the staining and the bruising, we say, be gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that blood that you shed. We're so ever thankful in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.